Coming up on today's show, getting into the market, moving up the real estate ladder, equity in the market. We'll also do some open line and our usual spot with special guest Todd Talbot of Love It or Listed Vancouver. Are real estate commissions negotiable? Now, John, with the big five stories we're talking about right now. Good morning, Ian. State Board of Greater Vancouver has tripled its fines on unethical realtors from $10,000 up to $3,000. They did this at their annual general meeting this week. If you guys you know, mess up, we're going we're gonna to come after you and there's a serious penalty to it. We don't want our penalties to be just the cost of big business. Newly elected President Dan Morrison says the fine increase has been discussed by the board for quite some time before this week. It's not a response to the current controversies that are around shadow flipping. It started actually a couple of years ago, but it was overwhelmingly supported by our members uh, this week. Critics say the fines are still not enough, though, when realtors regularly earn hundreds of thousands of dollars in commission. Morrison was also critical of Premier Christy Clark's decision to ban shadow flipping. The Premier put in place an advisory committee to come back and give us some recommendations on how we could, what is actually the the issue and how can we do anything to, to prevent it in the future. And we thought that she kind of preempted that. Morrison said there were legitimate uses for the clause that is sometimes used in the shadow flipping practice. Last week we told you the province was stepping up their efforts to end it. The shady practice that we've seen around shadow flipping in Vancouver, we all know, has been driven by greed. Pure, naked greed. And the way to take, uh, the way to end that shady practice for greedy people is take the profit out of it. Ian, the Premier, talked this week about her decision to end shadow flipping despite the fact a group headed by the Real Estate Commissioner has been assigned to do just that. I just want to touch on a couple of other issues because the Real Estate Council is looking at a number of other things, including whether or not double-enders in real estate are, are, are something that need to be addressed. That is a more complex issue, so we're waiting for them. We're waiting to see their report. The Premier also talked about FinTrack, it's a federal agency that enforces anti-money laundering laws. Uh, they found dozens of Vancouver area real estate firms broke the rules. I'm also very disturbed by what we've uh, heard from FinTrack about a failure to disclose. Now you should know that we are sharing tax information with the federal government. We continue to work with them on that. We want to make sure we close any of those loopholes and um, we also want to ensure transparency. It's important, though, as well, from FinTrack's perspective, I think, to make the rules as easy to follow and easy to comply with as possible for for realtors. Now, this begs the question, Ian, is dirty money fueling Vancouver's housing market? Well, NDP leader John Horgan thinks so. He says a FinTrack report found major deficiencies with how realtors track and report money. Last week, FinTrack released its audit statement for the Metro Vancouver real estate market, quadrupling the number of investigations it did this year over last year. During those investigations, they found 55 violations of FinTrack policies and sufficient de- significant deficiencies in the reporting of the real estate sector. In December 2015, a realtor allegedly deposited money obtained by fraud uh, for a house purchase, and there was no investigation by police or the Real Estate Council. The NDP's housing critic, David Eby, a vocal uh, advocate in this cause, says simple forms required by FinTracks are not being filled out by realtors, and he wonders why. 
the fact that real estate agents are not filling out the tracking material properly and FinTrack is pursuing them on this uh, says to me that there's a serious issue there. And police, as John has said uh, repeatedly, need the resources, they need the money to hire officers to investigate the information gathered by FinTrack. If there's a realtor who is repeatedly improperly filling out forms, that's a red flag. There should be a police officer knocking on that door and saying, what's going on here? Where's your money coming from? What kind of issues are we facing here? The problem is police are run off their feet with the existing caseload they have dealing with mental health issues in the street and they don't have the resources to pursue what is a very serious issue that could be compromising and seriously influencing our real estate market and affordability for people who live here. So we can't be uh, uh, this place where uh, criminals come and hide their money with impunity. EB says he wrote to the Real Estate Council to express his concern, but nothing came of it. So the big question this week, Ian, is dirty money fueling Vancouver's housing market? We're also going to talk a bit later on in the show about the federal budget and what that meant for housing, especially in Vancouver. But uh, as you heard at the NDP, again, very critical of the province and uh, this all after a FinTrack uh, report that found major deficiencies with how realtors track and report money. The Premier said naked greed. I think if you're going to be greedy, you might as well be naked. (laughs) Coming up next, we've got Phil Legree, who's a realtor with Keller Williams, and he'll speak to us next about getting into the market, where where do you move up that property ladder, and how to use the equity that you might already have in the market. Vancouver Real Estate Today continues on News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks, Simi. Uh, we have a special guest in studio with us, Phil Legree, a realtor with Keller Williams, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in today. Hey, good morning, Ian and John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate are, it. Are you uh, responsible for this sunshine? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Because normally on a day here. like this, you'd be on your boat, wouldn't you? Uh, if I had one, if I was one of those uh, fantasy real estate agents <laughs> that made billions, I would have a few boats, yes. Okay, but the driver's downstairs parking your car right now. Yeah, 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 that's happening too, yeah. Uh, the reason uh, we asked you to come in, Phil, is uh, threefold, really. But I want to start with this notion about getting into the market. We're always uh, hearing about millennials. Uh, they can't get into the market. Or, or people maybe at the, the very tail end of the boomer range that are still wanting to get into the market. And we get caught up with the daily news and we all get sucked into that and we only hear the flashy sexy headlines and i think that perhaps and the reason we asked you to come in is because i think that you can refute that thanks you know i'd love to talk to that issue and of course people are scared how could you not be when all you hear is the market is up it's a runaway train it's on fire you know houses are selling hundreds of thousands over asking but you know as I was saying, kind of a joke, guess what also happened? Some people passed away yesterday, hmm. but not everybody and not every home <laughs> sold over asking price. Most of them, almost all real estate transactions are not overpriced, but we hear about the big news story. So that's natural. But what about people that want to start off in there? So I went out and I've helped lots of people either downsize to a small condo or start out in the the, the first place. But when I look at how much rents are these days, and we live in a beautiful place, it's expensive. Yeah. Not everyone's going to get into the real estate market, are they? It's not going to be possible. But are people even trying? And I, and I just this morning ran a few stats that I thought might shock people, be a little bit interested. So between the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley, I show that there's currently 916 condos just between the price of two and $300,000. 
And and I did only run up freehold strata, so none of the leased land things or anything like that. So 916. And in the past 12 months, just over 400,000, or sorry, just over 4,000 condos in that price range sold, aver- okay. averaging about $250,000. What, what am I going to get for $250,000? Well, 57% of those were two bedrooms or more. Okay. But what are you going to get for, let, let's say you've got one of those things and you're into it for about $1,100 a month, maybe, with these super low interest rates, $1,100, $1,200, what are you going to get for rent? Phil, where are these places? I know some people are very particular on where they want to be in, in Metro Vancouver. Where, where are these majority of places you're talking about? Absolutely. You know what really runs the gamut? I'm, I'm a North Shore specialist, so I've sold quite a few places under $300,000 and helped them buy them. But it goes anywhere from Surrey, Richmond, Coquitlam. There's a lot of places that are direct access to the SkyTrain routes and the trains and things like that to come in and out. So starting somewhere is is the big thing that I'm I'm talking about. What about a down payment for let's say again, let's use that 250 right in between 200 and 300,000. dollars What do you need to to get into the market? Well, they still allow that 5% down payment. So that's terrific. So that's about $12,500 on there. And you know, then you're going to talk about maybe having uh $1,100 mortgage, $100 property tax a month. Okay, so let, let's do that calculation mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah. Uh, so you've got $1,100 in your mortgage. Let's say you've got, uh, what, another 100 at least on on taxes. Right. Maintenance. Maintenance. Maybe there's a couple hundred bucks there. Okay, well, maybe. Let's say 300 Okay. So now you're at, what, $1,400 a month? Sure. Okay. Find that money for me. Well, I, I, absolutely. If you don't have a job, you're not gonna you're not gonna be paying <laughs> well, that. Why do you look at me when you say that? I know John, right? John's here too. You Radio know. <laughs> is a job. I know it is a job. No, but but what are the rents costing you if you're not moving away? I mean, I, I sat for an hour last night on Craigslist and Kijiji, looking up rents from Surrey to Coquitlam, all over the place, and everything. Uh, seems to be a thousand dollars plus. Yeah. 12, Phil, I, I, I spent a year, a year looking for rents in <laughs> Vancouver before I decided to drive out here and move here, and uh, a full year. And it wasn't until I got here and actually went street to street and looked for a place that I, I locked into a place for fifteen hundred, and that I think is cheap in yeah. Vancouver. It did, and it truly is in Vancouver. Like I said, and too much of this news and the stories we're hearing is talking Vancouver, like Vancouver City and Vancouver proper. But there's a lot of areas around. I mean, even the North Shore can be shockingly affordable and lower Lonsdale for people out to Coquitlam. And so, so that twelve fifteen hundred dollars $1,500. But these days, with your interest rates, you're talking about close to 50% of every dollar you put on that mortgage is going directly against the principal. Now, when I started a $300,000 mortgage, uh, when I started buying myself years ago, a $300,000 mortgage would cost you 3100 a month. Now it's under 12. Do millennials have too high expectations? Well, there's some very smart ones out there buying things up, and they're going to go very far, and they're going to gain the equity. But people tend to come up today and say, oh, no, it's only got one bathroom, or it's not completely renovated. And, uh, you know, Ian, like when we started out and different people buying houses, we went in and tore up those asbestos-filled <laughs> floors and the wallpaper and painted and worked so, yeah, people tend to want to start a higher up than probably they should. Let's say somebody's in a condo now, and they, they're thinking maybe they want to expand their family, uh, they need an extra room, or maybe an extra two rooms. How do they make that next step up the property ladder? 
Well, like I said, I, I ran those numbers where there's about 4,000 of those two to $300,000 condos sold around the lower mainland. Um, I then ran it to say, well, what about townhouses? Now, I only looked at townhouses just from the three hundred to 500000 mark. Okay. They can go up to any price. But of those, there's about 450 active right now that were two-bedroom plus. And... Um, you know, again, they were they were averaging under four hundred thousand dollars. You put twenty thousand dollars down, about seventeen hundred dollars a month mortgage. Um, again, you're going to be taking that equity, that fifty percent a month you were gaining in your first condo, even if it doesn't go up in price. And I've done that for a few people that were in the market said, "Oh no, we're selling the condo. We bought it for two hundred seventy thousand. We're selling it for two seventy thousand." That question that keeps coming to my mind as I listen to you talk, and you make perfect sense, by the way. Mm, thank you. But the maxim has always been location, location, location. Mm-hmm. Is that is that no longer apply? You know, uh, you do have some choice. To, you know, I always tell people, get in touch, first off, with your mortgage broker or your bank. Start talking to them. And if it's the bank of parents, start talking to them. Uh, it's really beautiful to see right now a young couple will, or a single person will come to a condo, and then the next time either one side or both side of the families come in. But to come up with twelve or fifteen or twenty grand to help them out now, rather than hey, you're going to be happy after I pass away. But let them get into this now, and it gives you a little more leeway. But but I'm not really seeing people forced out to these suburbs like people say. Mm-hmm. Now, nothing wrong with the suburbs, by the way. Not no. at all. Phil, for, for someone like myself, all of my real estate investments have been in another province, in Ontario. Um, for people like myself who have moved to, to Vancouver and to British Columbia, um, talk a bit about uh, what sort of things have scared potential investors off of this market and, and why that shouldn't be the case. Well, it, it's obviously that um, that almost they should be scared based on the news media. I'm not but, saying things are skewed, but everything's selling over price. Um, it's all offshore money. Everything's going away. Uh, you know, you're just going, oh, my goodness. And like I said, would, would parents get up every morning? And this is kind of a bizarre take as well. But would you tell your kids that they uh, they were never going to be successful and they weren't very smart every day of their lives? You're not going to get very far. You're talking about that you're never going to own. You're never going to own. You're always going to be a renter. Get out of my basement and get a job. Oh, wait a minute. You touched on this before that um, my generation, we are very picky of where we want to live. You said you're on the North Shore. A lot of people love the North Shore. A lot of people are looking at areas like New Westminster we talked about today that some people like Ian may not have wanted to live 15 years ago. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Now more and more people my age are looking at these areas. To you, where's the the next hottest place for, for... you know, a lower price point, say 200 to 300, and people my age, well, people 30-plus. You, you know what? There are a lot of areas up here. I printed out this list that's everything from Burnaby, Port Coquitlam, uh, even Squamish. There's people driving down the highway, and you can get some Squamish newer, beautiful places. very popular A lot of this right depends on uh, access, too. Exactly. You know, a lot of people aren't driving these days. They want that uh, SkyTrain or, or public I, transit. I just I sold for some people in the North Shore, and I bought for a couple of them out in New Westminster. And one of those uh, group of three towers is directly over the SkyTrain station. It's one of the first in the world. Before we go to break, guys, uh, I just want to bring this topic up, and we'll continue with open line after the break. But before we get there, let's take that third component that, that we wanted to bring up, and that is somebody who's been in the market for, let's say, 30, maybe 40 years. They've got equity. They don't necessarily want to move out of that area, but they want to cash out. 
Well, that's that's the uh, the perfect position. There's your hat trick you've got right there. <laughs> the largest problem I'm finding with people that have that massive increase in their houses, it hasn't increased as much for townhouses or condos. So they've got their pick. They've got their money to do it. The biggest issue I see there is size. Too many of these developers, I'll get in trouble, are building places just too small. You don't want to go from a 3,000-square-foot home to an 800-square-foot condo. Mm -hmm. So they need to build some bigger places. But there are so many condos, older and new, in so many areas, not a lot of people get forced away, I don't believe. And if people would just get over one thing um, that would really help them, especially the first time, is get over your fear of ugly condos. There's a lot of buildings out there that are older, that have had a new roof and rain screened and piping and everything, great buys, but people drive up and say, well, that's unattractive. I'm not going to look. Well, the other thing that, that we have to get used to in this part of the world, and I'm talking about North America generally, when you look at Europe or Asia or uh, even if you go to Australia, density. Mm-hmm. We don't accept the kinds of densities that they do in other parts of the world, and we're going to have to get used to that. Yeah, and, and again, uh, there's that kind of density, and then there's the kind of density that people say every day, I can't start, I'll never be a homeowner, and that's really quite ridiculous. Yeah. We are talking to Phil Agree. He is a realtor with Keller Williams and has been in the business for a, a number of years. You specialize on the North Shore, but you cover pretty much the entire Metro Vancouver area. I do. We're going to continue with Phil after the break. We're also going to open up the phone if you want to comment or talk to us about Vancouver Real Estate today. Our phone number is 604 280 or star 9898. You can also go to the CKNW Facebook page or tweet at us at CKNW. And we'll be back in just a moment on Vancouver Real Estate Today from News Talk 980 CKNW. Our in-studio guest this morning is Phil Legree. He's a realtor with Keller Williams. We're inviting your call on anything having to do with Vancouver real estate today at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 if you're mobile. Gary, good morning to you, Gary. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, when, when my dad was born here in 1915, there was no real problem, I guess, after he got established and the other family members helped get a house. When my wife and I graduated from high school in 1970, we couldn't afford to live in East Vancouver where we were born and raised. We had to move out to Burnaby. Now our eldest daughter, uh, she got a place in Coquitlam, but our youngest daughter couldn't afford one in Coquitlam, and she had to go further down the valley. The problem is that this city only has an infinite amount of land. And, and that's, that we, and that's we, why we have to... We have to and, I'm just going to cut you off there, Gary, just for a second, just because we have to keep moving along. Because the point is well taken, Phil, and that is, is density. We brought that up, and, and what's your sense of it? Are, are we going to come around to thinking that we can... I think in, in the case of Gary, perhaps, if East Vancouver is his neighborhood, we're seeing more laneway houses, for example. Is that the answer to density, or, or do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I don't think we're looking for so much the answer as what will help us. Laneway housing, uh, what West Vancouver did with allowing suites, coach houses, things like that to be legalized, allowing people to stay in their neighborhoods. But it's never really going to be enough. I just don't see that happening. People are looking 
for different things. Like this gentleman was very, very wise, said, yeah, we've got a mountain behind us and water on the other side. We're in a peninsula here. And no matter what we do, we're going to run out of space. So the future lifestyle is going to be a little different. There'll be more families in townhouses and condos. I just want to go back to Gary for a second. So Gary, but both your children, or the two that you mentioned, did eventually get into the market, didn't they? Well, finally, but the problem is, like, they're destroying the family unit. When I was growing up in East Vancouver, everybody knew everybody. You had family, you had uncles across the street or down the road to Robson Park. It, nowadays, the families are scattered all over the place. Yeah. Why? Because they're trying to shoehorn too many bloody people into this area. Fair enough, fair enough. I think your point is well taken. Good morning, Ken. Yeah, hi, how are you doing? Excellent. Go right ahead, please. You know, uh, I was at the bank one time talking to a manager, and he talks about interest, principal, and taxes to qualify for mortgages, right? But I said, what did you do if you add in for the year the upkeep, the transportation, food, utilities, and the like? He said most people wouldn't qualify then. Okay, Phil, I think that's a great point. Absolutely. What we're finding out now, and and, uh, even with the low interest rates, things tightened up. I... um, I'm finding a lot of people that don't qualify that did before. I, one of the most shocking things is that a young person could go out and get, what, an 18 to 24% charge card of some form, but the government won't let them have a 35-year mortgage <laughs> instead of 25. <laughs> yeah. How is that sane? I don't, I don't know, but do, as a realtor, is this something when you're working with your clients, particularly with people that, that don't have a, an awful lot of uh, experience, did you go through that if you're getting into a condo that there's going to be maintenance fees, there's going to be hydro, there's going to be you know cable and all of the things, the amenities that go with uh, owning a home? Well, that's one of the reasons we always suggest to people to sit down with not only your mortgage broker or banker, but then get in front of a realtor, get in front of the profession a professional and say to them what to expect you know how much does it cost to move are there property transfer taxes mm-hmm. get yourself informed now not when you're ready to buy but get yourself knowledge and i, and I got to compliment you two both because this is what i think this this uh this radio show here is filling in a huge gap for just giving people not just the negative news but really good knowledge about the real estate good morning market. bill bill you there yep yep yeah i wanted to um ask about um uh, building a house and uh, if it's advisable, if I should be my own general contractor. You should call the Home Discovery Show tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay. okay, we have a contractor on, on uh, the show, and, and he can answer that question. But uh, I will address that in, in general terms. Uh, if you want to build your own house, don't do it yourself. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty simple. Get somebody who has the experience, at least uh, who can, uh, uh, maybe not so much uh, a contractor, but a project manager is something that you probably want to look for. We've only got a second left here, and I, and I, and I can't leave this, because John said it so well and when he was talking about the big five stories that we're following. Is the government doing enough? Should they be doing more? Uh, what's the the government's role from your perspective in what we're now calling a housing crisis? Well, I don't know what they can do. We live in a beautiful place, um, as many places in the world. They get overrun and what they're doing. Some things like the FinTrack specifically, I, I find ridiculous that a real estate agent is given a couple pieces of paper to fill out and hand to the real estate office. But those money are all being handled by lawyers and banks. Those people should be tracking it. Should we be making sure that people are ethical and doing the right deals with real estate? Absolutely, which is why we voted to increase that fine from 10000 to $30,000. Right but, away. I mean, what about the critics that say, so what? 
What's 30000 against hundreds of thousands of dollars that these ones that might be doing this kind of activity are making? Well, then, then they've got to be tracked, and the real estate brokerages have to be held accountable. And when that paperwork goes in, it gets checked and responsibility. We're, we're dealing with the public trust here, and I don't know if it's 99.9999% of it is done very well. I agree, by the way, and, and I don't want to paint all realtors with the same brush because, you know what, 99.9% of the ones I meet are pretty upfront and pretty honest and work really, really hard. What's the average salary for a real estate agent in... Uh in your well, board, I, I don't. The last time I looked in BC, it was something like fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So if you were trying to skirt the laws and and do something tricky to get lailed with a thirty thousand dollar fine, it'd be uh, pretty costly for you. It'd be devastating. Bill Agree is a realtor with Keller Williams, and our thanks to you for coming in. We, we're going to have to get you back because obviously uh, you've got some things to say. I would really appreciate it. I love the fact that you're here giving information to the people, and I'm proud appreciate to be part that. of it. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Phil Agree, realtor Keller Williams. We've got a break, guys. We could keep going, and we will on another occasion. Coming up next, Todd Talbot joins us with our regular feature. Uh, Today, we're going to ask Todd, are real estate commissions negotiable? That's next on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, we're back with uh, Todd Talbot, uh, our third or fourth week in a row. Uh, Todd has uh, been so kind to agree to join us to bring some of his perspective on real estate in Vancouver. Todd, of course, is the uh, the better half. He keeps insisting. Uh, love it or list it, Vancouver. You're going to get me in trouble, Ian. I, I want to start by, I, I have to ask you this. Oh, thanks for being here again, by the way. It's Thanks for having it's, me. It's great to see you. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you two. It's always uh, nice to have you here. We had our crack research team look into your past. Oh, great. And uh, your website says that uh, you were born and raised in Vancouver, but you moved around a lot. I did. As a kid. Yes. And did, is that maybe where you struck your interest in real estate? Um, I, I think a little bit. You know, my parents, we moved to Victoria, a couple different places there. Then they, we commuted back and forth to Salt Spring Island. They built a beautiful log post and beam home nice, there that overlooked nice. the water. I was young. I built a tree fort at the same time. <laughs> you know, nice. like yeah. my mom was pregnant on the roof. The two of us were you know, putting the uh, cedar shakes on the roof. So I was very much ingrained in that uh, early on. And, you know, my whole family loves houses and design and and uh you're a handy guy too aren't you you like to 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 get hands on yeah any job that's not done at my house is because i'm not doing it well let's talk about one of those (laughs) Uh jobs you Uh did recently (laughs) (laughs) you know where this is going you've got a got a hockey rink at your place that's true i do i wanted to finish off my garage which was like most people's garage basically basically a glorified storage unit and uh, we couldn't park a car in there. I just basically mm-hmm. had my tools and all, you know, Christmas decorations and everything else piled up. But I was determined to not only be able to park a car in there, but also create a play space for my kids. My kids are four and six. Um, I came up with this idea of doing an epoxy floor that was white. And at the um, where the garage door comes down, we put the blue line. Oh, yeah. And then we put uh, the goal line and put a crease in there. It was a little bit uh, high maintenance. <laughs> uh, my buddy with TKO Concrete came and did the flooring. Um, and we did, you know, we kept a little West Coast flavor. I, I did a tongue and groove, three-inch tongue and groove um, flooring. I put on the ceiling and one accent wall. Uh, put a lot of storage, making sure I could take everything off the ground. And I didn't actually realize how much usable space was in the garage and how much my kids loved playing out there. I mean, it rains a lot here, and that became the playroom. They they use their scooters, their bikes. We play hockey. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty true-to-life replica. 
It, it, it actually does. You can go to my <laughs> website, toddtalbot.ca, and uh, check out some photos. Um, also, there's an article coming out in Haas Magazine that I, that I write for that kind of profiles the whole the whole journey and uh, you know how we did certain things. It's it actually turned out even better than I had anticipated. Yeah. One day, John and I would love to come and have some hockey. Yeah. Who's who's playing goal? <laughs> uh, who's in goal? I'll play goal. I think Ian's I in play, goal. I play D and I try to play a bit of four, but never in that. No. Perfect. I think, okay. Yeah, game on, game yeah. on, boys. Right. We got to talk about some real estate here. Okay, and, let's do it. And one of the, the biggest questions that seems to come up all the time is how do real estate commissions work, and and more importantly, perhaps because some are higher. Th- and some are lower, mm-hmm. are they negotiable? So you said this conversation comes up a lot. I'd actually disagree with you. Oh, okay. I'd say that this conversation doesn't come up enough. Ah. I think that there's a lot of mystery around commission, and people are scared to talk about it. Um, the fact is, is that commission is set and is negotiable. Commission is set by an individual realtor and is negotiable. That's the bottom line. And it is based on their business model. It's based on the services that they offer. And the way that I like to analyze commission and explain it to people is that commission should be evaluated by the value that they get in return, like anything. But that doesn't happen. No? No. If you look at the model of commissions today, let's say if we have a working model of 7% on the first 100,000, 2.5% on the remainder, and houses are selling for 3, 4, we're we're told that 4 million is going to be the norm very soon, and a real estate agent works for about 4 to 6 hours on that property. They're making way too much money, and that's why I would argue maybe you should be negotiating. Absolutely. But that goes back to my point. Your commission is negotiable, and you need to have that conversation with whoever you're hiring to make that transaction. And I've been, you know, I've been in, a, in an agent-client um, relationship. It's not just around real estate. It can be as an actor. Sure. You know, there are mm-hmm. definitely circumstances where you need to identify. Now, you might have a relationship with, a, with an agent, and it might be a one-off situation. They might sell that property in a week, and mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. The economics of that relationship might be out of whack. Now, there's other um, examples where you might be in a long-term relationship with somebody who's going to be around to guide you um, for multiple transactions over multiple years. And you might be using that service uh, when they're not buying. There are certain yep. circumstances, not, not, not to defend commissions, but there are certain circumstances where, let's say as a buyer, you're out there and you're working for 20 weeks and then no one buys anything. But here's to your point about not asking, okay? Now I sound like I'm backpedaling. But discount brokerages are shunned upon because people feel, well, I'm not going to get what... If I don't pay the big dollars, yep. then I, I won't get the service. I won't. My home won't sell. Yep. When really, perhaps the listed price is the most or the biggest factor in whether the house sells or not. It can be. I, I think those properties... Um, Well, let me answer it two ways. Number one, I would say that there's a lot of stigma attached to different formulas of commission structure. And let's be clear. People can sell their house themselves for sale by owner. There's there's no issue with that. Yeah, it's absolutely There's no issue with that. Get a lawyer and make sure you're doing it properly. But there's no issue with that. And you can scale all the way up. There's there's no limit. I could tell you a good reason not to. What, sell your house by yourself? Yeah. 
one, you'll eliminate the emotion if you have a third party. Right. And, and the other third is that third party is going to be a better negotiator on your house than right. you are. See, this is the way that I think about it personally. And I, even though I'm licensed, I use a realtor. I always have. I've never sold anything by myself that, that I've owned. I've never bought anything by right. myself. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I do that is I believe that with somebody negotiating for me, and if that person can either save me the equivalent or more than their commission, then that's total value. Mm-hmm. And conversely, when you're buying, if you know if they can negotiate a better price, so you know it does boil down to value, and you need to be able to um, have that conversation up front. You need to be able to put all the cards on the table, and a homeowner or a buyer needs to be able to evaluate and see if they think that there's value there. So. In, yeah, uh, in Ontario, we uh, before I left, there was a site that was just created called FeeDuck. So what this does, it's basically it's called the Uber of, of, of this idea anyway. Right. So basically, you go, you post your listing, you post what price you want, and you get realtors to go onto this site, and realtors bid for your listing with their commission price. So you right. say you want to give what you want, 2.5%. You post that on, some realtors will go at 2.37 or something. And, right. And so this, this idea of... Uh, uh, um, a website that's uh, been created to kind of lower commission fees is right. uh, Feeduck is the name of this website. Um, ha- have you heard of anything like that out here? And and are you familiar with it? I'm I'm familiar with Feeduck. Uh, actually, someone shared that with me uh, a few months ago. Um, you know, my my personal opinion about that is, I would ask myself, do I want to hire somebody that I'm entrusting a multi million dollar transaction to somebody who's willing uh, you know, purely on the basis of their negotiating the fee down. We gotta we gotta wrap it up. We gotta wrap it up. We're just we're just getting to the core of this. <laughs> <laughs> Takeaway message is that real estate commissions are negotiable. Absolutely. Ask the questions before you sign the documents. Absolutely. And get it in writing. Todd Talbot from Love It or List It Vancouver is our regular guest on Vancouver Real Estate Today. My name is Ian Power here with John Meyer. And we'll be back in just a moment on News Talk 980 CKNW. Our thanks again to Todd Talbot talking about real estate commissions. He will join us again next week on Vancouver Real Estate Today. John, uh, some of the stories that we're talking about right now. We're talking about uh, the federal budget. Of course, everybody knows it was uh, just released and uh, a lot of talk on all sorts of of areas, but we're going to focus on housing, of course. And the Trudeau government, Ian, uh, they've taken note of the sky, ho- sky high cost of housing in Metro Vancouver, and Ottawa is going to spend a mere $500,000. They're going to spend that to help understand the role of foreign home buyers in the country's housing market. Uh, it doesn't seem like a lot of money. Uh, the cash in the federal budget is going to Stats Canada. That will help them develop methods for gathering data on home purchases. Well, this was interesting as well, Ian. A UBC geographer says the out-of-reach cost of housing in Metro Vancouver is a result of an effort by politicians here to attract wealthy immigrants and investment from Asia. UBC's David Lay says politicians simply haven't done their due diligence in terms of putting boundaries around foreign investment. He points to last month's uh, provincial budget. I think the last budget was uh, a case in point where the minister's basically said, uh, we want investment. We don't want to upset people's equity, which means, of course, we want to keep prices high. Lay says the bar to bring in wealthy immigrants into B.C. and Canada was set well lower than other countries 
including in the URS. The Carnegie Community Action Project's annual housing report was out and it found that the last line of defense for homelessness is rapidly disappearing here in Vancouver. Uh, Spokesperson Gene Swanson says stock of single-room occupancy hotels is vanishing and rental rates on what is left is rapidly rising, Ian. And we found three hotels that are now renting a single room for $1,000 a month and one hotel advertising an SRO unit for $1,500 a month on Craigslist. Swanson says Vancouver needs to preserve existing SRO stock and also move to create more. She also wants the province to uh, raise welfare, disability rates and minimum, minimum wage. And Ian, this is a topic we could spend an entire show on. You know, I... As, and I have a lot of time for Jean Swanson. She's done some really, really good work in the community over the years. I'd be really curious to know, and I don't expect you to have the answer, but what are other major cities around the world doing with the, the kind of crunch that we have and the homelessness that we have in terms of stock? Because there isn't enough, and we're so young here. But we've got to leave it there, unfortunately, John, because we're fresh out of time. For John Meyer and for Amila Bamji, our technical producer today, my name is Ian Power. Join us again next weekend for Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW.